Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Austin Krons. Austin is the Director of Data Strategy at Atlan, and we're here today to discuss getting your data ready for AI. Austin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Yeah, really good to have you on today, Austin. Um, Just for those who might not have heard of you before, could you just give the people a little bit of background into who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, Austin Kranz, I'm the Director of Data Strategy here at Atlan. Director of Data Strategy, I'd probably say, (laughs) means a couple different things. I work with a lot of our customers on all the topics related to, I'd say, making their objectives successful (laughs) when it comes to data strategy, data and governance programs. Sometimes I just say everything outside of the tool that we sell uh, to make sure that using our tool can be successful. So prior to joining Atland, I was doing very similar things in the Gartner world. So I was a Gartner analyst for four and a half years where I talked about self-service analytics, data governance, data governance strategies, seeing Gartner magic quadrants. I wrote the BI and analytics magic quadrant uh, while I was there. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for that. But obviously some some great experience. And what, what I really wanted to talk to you today was to kind of zero more into the current data governance landscape. We were in an event earlier today, and it's something that a lot of data leaders really have on top of mind. Looking at sort of the governance landscape as a whole, uh, what key, key trends are you really noticing and have noticed over the last 12 months that have really shaped what we're seeing today? Yeah, I think a lot of the changes to data governance started just with the modern data stack in general, You know, probably going beyond the last 12 months, you know, probably the last four years or so, five years or so. Just as we move from more of these monolithic tech architectures and more of these you know, highly centralized, IT-centric governance, you know, kind of legacy governance approaches, you know, the more modern technology has really demanded a new way of governing how data and analytics works. We're much more distributed, both in technology and in people. And I think in the last 12 months, specifically, you know, this introduction of Gen AI and LLMs and how can we incorporate AI into everything that we're doing really resurfaced this need for just solid governance fundamentals, right? You know, I'm seeing a lot of almost out of necessity, the need to push what we say kind of shift data governance to the left, which essentially means not governing things downstream, but maybe putting more of these data contracts or upstream data quality checks or data observability uh, and just creating just general data transparency for the organization at all tiers of the data stack, both operational and analytical. So uh, yeah, Gen AI, just the modern data stack in general, and just more distributed teams are kind of what I have seen changing the data governance landscape and, and really shining a, a light on data governance. Again, you know, it's nothing new, but it's it's certainly something that's been top of mind as, as we go into 2024. And I think another thing that's really important in the space right now is, and I know for a fact that this is something that you're passionate about, is data mesh. And obviously, you know, we, we talk a lot about collaboration and how we can really empower teams. You know, when, when we look at data mesh, how can we really work to improve the way that teams work to do more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, AI, data mesh, I think we're hitting all the, the industry buzzwords for sure. But no, data mesh, 
um, data mesh, I think, is just the genesis of all the things that I just mentioned that are driving kind of changes to governance, which is more distributed teams. You know, one centralized data and analytics team can't keep up with all of the data demands that an organization has today. And so we see this need for decentralization. But, you know, you always want to find that delicate balance of control and centralization with agility and decentralization. So I think uh, how do we improve the way teams work and more of a data mesh is really just understanding where you're at today. I mean, you have to get a baseline. I don't think anyone is 100% centralized monolithic and or, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, 100% federated just yet. There's always some balance of centralization, kind of shared best practices, and then you know, allowing decentralized teams to be a little bit more autonomous, but with guardrails. So understanding where your organization is today and really the needs of your organization, you may find that a centralized model fits your industry or your particular company just from a cultural perspective today. And then kind of getting that roadmap towards how do we go from, um, you know, where we're at today to, you know, getting to more of this decentralized data mesh federated model. I think, if I'm going to call it just one one pillar of data mesh, one way to do that is really just to embrace what is considered you know data as a product thinking. You know, historically, I think data teams were very this were very much a submitted ticket. We will fulfill the ticket, and we will track how many how many requests we can fulfill each quarter, each year, and that's sort of the success metric. Data product thinking puts that on its head and sort of says it's not really about the amount of you know, potentially monotonous requests the data teams are getting it also makes for not not very fulfilling work. But data as a product says, what is the value that this request is actually contributing to, to for the business? So data product thinking allows you to not just think how many, how do we deliver, but how is it used once we deliver a new data asset or a new dashboard or a new machine learning model? It really just helps connect data teams to the business. And if I would just end on one last thing, I mean, that's the ultimate goal in all things data and analytics, which is you have to have a clear business case or a clear connection with business value. So you're not just you know talking data mesh and AI and buzzwords, but you're actually still speaking the language of the business um, and hopefully making that connection for them. Because otherwise, like who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's who cares or, you know, if, uh, you know, I work with a lot of people like the what what's in it for me? You know, I think that's the thing that comes up yeah. most is you know, how can you help speak my language? Yeah, yeah. Well, you obviously mentioned uh, about bringing up all the industry buzzwords and I'm going to bring up the, the biggest one of all, which is, of course, AI. We're seeing a big move, of course, across the enterprise to really implement uh, artificial intelligence, Gen AI as well, into these data strategies. I think what a lot of people perhaps aren't talking about, though, is actually you know, working to get your data ready for AI. How can you, you know, really start the process of ensuring that? Yeah, I think it comes back to, to fundamentals. AI is is not necessarily new to data and analytics strategies. I think for decades or you know, at least the past decade, people have been trying to get from just basic descriptive analytics to more of this diagnostic self-serve analytics and then there was always the element of predictive and prescriptive analytics, which is machine learning and then deep learning. And, you know, so AI has really been a part of roadmaps and maturity models for a long time now. I think what Gen AI and LLMs did was it, it made it real for the end user. You know, it was actually something tangible that they could get their hands on. And anytime your largest 
you know, user base, which is the end user, is able to access a technology, I think it just puts more pressure on tech teams, IT teams, data teams to be able to use that in any way possible. So what I say it comes back to fundamentals is there was always this adage of, you know, garbage in, garbage out when it comes to data and analytics outputs. You know, if you have bad data or you just don't know the state that your data is in, you have to be cautious in terms of what kind of outputs are being generated by AI. And, you know, I think one of the adage we would use at Gartner's is the worst case scenario is garbage in gospel out, right? It's just sort of busted. And so there's this, again, refocus on what is the underlying data that is powering this? And I think the way to ensure your data is quote unquote ready for AI is really just to have a clear and transparent understanding of what data is available, the state that it's in, the quality that it's in. And I think what we're seeing now is an emphasis on, you know, ownership. I talked about data products. I'm seeing more and more data product owners who are actually a blend of, you know, probably the traditional data steward or subject matter expert, but also being responsible for connecting. How does this data actually impact business cases, business use cases? So I think ways to get your data AI ready is just I think metadata enrichment, like I said, ownership, quality, you know, I think lineage has become more and more important in terms of where did this data come from? Where does it go? Who touches it? And if I have a question about it, who can I ask? And I think when we get more and more AI regulation, that auditability and being able to see that pipeline clearly will become more and more important as we go down this AI path. So data transparency tends to lead to trust. Trust tends to lead to better AI use cases. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the the kind of use cases for AI in the data space is pretty well documented. But I actually wanted to ask you, you know, sort of moving forward, you know, next 12 to 18 months, is there anything that AI can't do right now that you'd really love to see made possible? Hmm, that's a very good question. I'm not sure if it's if it's can't do. I think there's a lot of, maybe maybe I'll kind of shed the myth of that AI just replaces everything. That's always a, a concern, I think. What I have seen in the data space is that Gen AI greatly impacts how typical data roles will work. You know, for example, if I'm a data engineer or an analytics engineer, the ability to generate code automatically, uh, whether it's through natural language or just you know using LLMs to populate code, and then having that person review it, I think the human in the loop element still exists, but it'll drastically affect the efficiency of engineers and analysts. And I think it will also expose new possibilities for end users, right? If, if we have this natural language possibility, I maybe don't, you know, I really don't need to know SQL or Python to generate an analysis. I could potentially leverage LLMs. I think the downside of that is sort of the self-checking mechanism, which is, you know, if I don't know what's actually happening when I enter a natural language query and, you know, what is the audibility of that, auditability of that, or, you know, how can I confirm that, you know, there isn't a hallucination or there isn't a, a mistake happening with the AI. So not so much what isn't it doing, but maybe where it fits appropriately right now uh, is kind of what I'm, uh, I'm seeing. Got it, got it. And then just to kind of round things off, I wanted to ask if you had any final words of wisdom for data leaders as we look towards 2024 and beyond, perhaps they're, you know, struggling with strategies going into the next sort of 12 months. Do you sort of have any uh, final words of advice? Yeah, I think, I think if you're still in the planning phase, you're probably behind. 
you have to start somewhere. Uh, I've talked to some organizations that get into that paralysis by analysis. You know, no one's data is completely perfect. And oftentimes that's used as, and I'll call it an excuse, right? Where they're saying we, we can't possibly do anything because, you know, our data isn't where it needs to be. Well, typically what will happen there is, you know, the business will go out or, a, you know, a smaller team that isn't the data and analytics team will go out and try to leverage these on their own. And, you know, you sort of need to be a, a guiding, you know, what call it like an advisory board or committee or something like that for AI in your organization, because it's, a, it's an inevitability at this point, you know, people will be using it. And so I think there needs to be a clear understanding of where your organization is at. Maybe the last piece is, yes, AI, LLMs, Gen AI, are the hype buzzwords right now. Uh, and there's a lot of value to get out of that. Don't get me wrong. I think, like I said, you're, you know, I would say you're behind if you're not considering where Gen AI can impact your business. But let's, let's also not forget the fundamentals, right? There's still value in a rightly timed data insight, right? A data-driven insight. You know, a dashboard is still helpful. Reports are still necessary. You can still do descriptive and diagnostic analytics, maybe, like I said, accelerated using AI, but you know, there's still value in all different types of, of insights. It doesn't have to be a chat bot. It doesn't have to be an AI-enabled application or something like that. You know, it's, it's okay to be at different parts of the maturity curve for different use cases. Well said. Austin, I want to thank you so much for obviously coming on to the EM360 podcast today. Yeah, of course. Really, really happy to be here. Thank you. No worries at all. And also thank you to everyone who took the time to listen as well. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast, but for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to atlan.com. That's A-T-L-A-N.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.